0: Welcome to Idea School Startup, a podcast about a high school in Tacoma, Washington that opened in the fall of 2016. Idea High School Startup is a product of Elements of Education, which is a nonprofit based here in Tacoma dedicated to providing opportunities for young people to study their passions in the arts and sciences in the public school system. For more information about Elements of Education, you can check out our website, ElementsOfEd.org or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. The newest innovative school
1: opened in Tacoma today. The class of 2020 started at Idea opened High School. Brain if you were going to and- doing this. You're also, what are the strengths of these people? What are they, what are they, what excites them every day work to get architects in designing and space using... My remaining 30 minutes, I'm thinking this, these 30 minutes can't go by faster than, than they It's really
0: are. diverse and we all actually need each other in order to get things done. Everyone here wants to be here. Before we ever opened the doors to IDEA, we imagined what it would look like to create a school environment that didn't look like a normal high school. An environment where real engineers and designers could be working out of the same building as high school students in classes, labs, studios, and shop spaces. Very early on, we met Jason who as chance would have it was not only a brilliant engineer working for one of the largest physics-based software engineering companies in the world, but was also passionate about education and was toying with the idea of starting a co-op homeschool for his own kids and their friends. Jason is by trade a physicist. He worked for Boeing for almost 20 years where he became interested in simulation, something that a lot of engineers in many different domains are starting to make more commonplace in their practice. Simulation uses something called finite element analysis to take three-dimensional designs done in any CAD program and then simulate what would happen in different environments based on what we know about the laws of physics. You can simulate everything from the structural strength of a building or a bridge to the dispersion of a Wi-Fi signal from a hotspot in the back of the fuselage of an airplane. Most of the simulation tools in the last few decades have mainly been used by postgraduate level engineers and physicists, but recently they've become increasingly more commonplace in programs like SolidWorks and Autodesk's Fusion 360, and used by undergrad and even some high school students. Jason came to IDEA to see if high school kids could start to use simulation to teach them physics and math. It would allow them to create prototypes rapidly in the computer and make improvements to their designs without having to waste days and weeks fabricating physical objects. Jason started in the fall of 2016 with us, right as the school opened, and had the idea of teaching a group of freshmen how to design and build a skate park. It became clear very quickly, as it did for most of us in that first year— That most of what we had expected to do needed to be entirely reworked and rethought once you were dealing with real students in the classroom. Jason somehow didn't run for the door and was inspired by the opportunity to adapt his approach and quickly gained traction with a handful of kids who saw simulation as a way to build the things they've always wanted and maybe someday get a job out of it. We talked about his experience in that first year and how teaching at idea has led to a whole new way of getting his company, Ansys, excited about (laughs) working with high school-aged engineers. (laughs) So I guess the first first question I wanted to ask you about was, you had mentioned when you first got into education, you were working with um, Jeremy, right? And you guys had talked about the idea of doing like a homeschool type setup when you first kind of like dove into the concept of trying to work in in a way that you could develop lessons that had, had some sort of, some sort of meaning based on your experience. Do you want to tell me what that was about?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, we, yeah, so I guess we started because we were both, uh, so they were, they were homeschooling their kids, (coughs) excuse me. And we, um, actually, I think it was before even homeschooling, um, we had just, you know, we had kids of similar ages. We kind of had similar interest. Uh, obviously, they were heavy in education, and we were just looking for like ways to engage the kids. Um, like my big thing at the time was, I wanted to get away from trying to discourage my kids from when they would tell me they want to be an artist. Instead of saying that's great, but keep in mind you have to make money and maybe you need to do something else. Instead of getting into that habit, I. I I tried to encourage them to do that, but remind them that hey, you can still learn technical skills and do both. Right. So that was our big <clears throat> drive was to try to get them uh, interested in things that maybe they wouldn't naturally seek out. So uh, programming, we would uh, we uh, so we we created this idea of doing like computer club. We called it. Uh, That's right. We just get the kids together uh, every other you know weekend. And just kind of forced them to do some things. And they actually they actually loved it. They, they, they just thought it was incredible. So um, they would always ask when the next one was because not only was it a social thing, but they truly, you know, enjoyed it. So we did a little, I don't know, we had like a Python day. And then we did a, you know, after we did a scratch day. And then we started doing 3D printing and things like that. And, uh, yeah, so I, th- I think that was the introduction to it. And it probably culminated in um, one day. <coughs> excuse me, when we decided to do a uh, uh, like, like we made our own parabola and tried to describe um, how they work. And it combined a lot of things, like uh, uh, drawing out a grid of points. So first, we, you needed a mathematical function, and then you would put a grid of points together and. We had them on a piece of plywood. They actually put nails in a piece of plywood and made the parabola. We told them where the focal point was going to be based on the equation. And we basically had this, you know, kind of like a bouncy ball that we would slide down the chute at the right focal point. Right. And they were like kind of blown away that every time you, it doesn't matter where you would angle it, you know, it would always come out the same side. Right. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, that, that, was, that was the kind of thing that we did, um, you know, for a while where I think some of the kids, the art-minded kids kind of complimented me in the way that I was able to um, teach them uh, in a way that maybe wasn't threatening. And that made me feel like I maybe had a knack for doing that. Right. And that, uh, that's kind of where all that really stemmed from, I think.
0: Yeah. And when I first met you, I mean, you know, Jason had introduced us. Jason Gordon, and he he had kind of said that you would like had this idea of figuring out a way that you could come up with like a kind of like a, a homeschool type thing that you were going to do, or maybe even involving other people. And then you know when you first came to idea, we had we had started this concept of like building this high school where we wanted businesses to come into the building, and it was it was like perfect kismet to find someone like you who was you know this accomplished engineer that had worked in all these different you know capacities, whether it be for Boeing or for the startup that you had. You know, working and then obviously not for ANSYS, but you had already kind of dabbled into education. And I, I'm, what I'm curious about is how, like what you, th- what you expected coming into starting IDEA that first year, like you had already had this experience kind of a little bit with just the kids that you knew through your family and through your kids and their friends. What were you expecting when you came into the first year yeah. of, of what IDEA was going to be?
1: So, yeah, definitely that was, uh, the expectations were higher than what reality was going to give me. Right. Right. And um, so our little idea of doing the computer, you know, the computer club with a small group of kids um, who were probably wired to pay attention a little bit more. Right. right? Uh, Not so much grabbing what's kind of a random sample of kids from the community. Right. Mm -hmm. Who are coming from all different backgrounds. So the biggest, you know, the biggest surprise was um, realizing that um, the kids didn't necessarily have an interest in listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of them did, but definitely not all of them, right? Right. So uh, that was a little bit of a, uh, you know, a little shock in the beginning. But I think I was able to roll with it because I, I, I felt like that's okay. I mean, okay. I mean, that that's what the universe is giving us, right? I mean, that's what that's what these kids are like. So I, I kind of, I kind of started, you know, thinking of. Um, you know, trying to quickly identify the ones that are uh, very interested in in, uh, in what we're trying to do in the class, and uh, try to find ways to maybe get the ones that are just not interested at all, and just try to connect with them. I would say it. I I felt like it failed miserably,
0: but I think something good came out of it. Yeah. Well, I, let's maybe take a step back and explain what we were trying to do. So the concept was you were going to come in. You have a full time job as an engineer. You you're not a teacher. You're working out of the space, kind of. You were like, well, I'll, I'll be there sometimes, I guess, if you want to give me an office. But I've got, like, I've got meetings to go to and conference calls. I can do that at home. Um, but you thought of this idea, if we could build a skate park, like, man, kids would just love that. They'd love to build a skate park. That'd be so cool. We can model the whole thing in CAD. And then maybe even run some like basic simulation on it to understand the stress points of where it's going to be. And then from that standpoint, we can sort of grab their attention. We're actually going to build a skate park. And if we promise that at the beginning, we're going to build a skate park so you guys can go skateboard at the end of the day, like that's going to be the buy-in, right? and um i think my my favorite moment from this was probably like 6 weeks into the semester this was on a friday afternoon these classes from like 1:30 to 3:30 so it's the end of the week we didn't know who like whatever kids signed up for it we're like here's your 15 kids you can work with and i remember walking in we didn't have an extra room at the time so it was on the stage in the gym which was like the worst place to possibly teach and i remember walking into the gym and there was you sitting on stage in a circle of chairs with like two kids in the circle and the whole rest of the, the the class was like around the gym, just riding skateboards. Or I think there was a couple of them that had like detached the wheels from the bottom of the of the trash cans and were just yeah, like rolling yeah, around yeah, the were, trash cans. Yeah, they were riding.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was a day that I completely lost control of, <laughs> and just observed at the end. My remaining thirty minutes, I'm thinking this these thirty minutes can't go by faster than than they are. Yeah. Um, yeah uh you know it was it was it, the expectation, I guess, is that look, you know you, you don't you don't know what you don't know. you're you're getting into these things, and it sounded like a really great idea. Let's start from day one and talk about how what a good skate park looks like okay, you know uh, you know, we tied in with Ben quite a bit, you know, uh, you know, talking about his ideas. Some of the kids were kind of engaged in that. And now, I'm, you know, the, the thought is that, great, We, you know, we just did that. We talked about what we think we want to do. Now, let's talk about designing it. And I'm trying to roll in our engineering principles and things like that into the class to the point where one of the kids actually said, look, I really appreciate what you're doing. You're, you know, you're trying to teach us, but why don't we just build a thing? <laughs> and it's like I'm stra- you know, I'm struggling because he's right. He's kind of right in some yeah. of these things. The way that I'm trying to fold all these concepts in, there's so many asides to the goal of building the skate park, it was distracting to them. right? Right. So if I was a, if I were a better teacher, there, are, there, there would have been much better ways to force that.
0: Well, I don't, think, I don't think it's about being a better teacher. I think, first of all, I think what's really just amazing about that whole experience is that, first of all, that you're still here working with us after that because someone like you who came in, that, you know, you had a very different expectation and then the reality and the expectation were so far off. Really, anytime you start a school, anytime you start anything, you don't really have any clue of what it's going to be until you get in and doing it, um, and, unless you've done it before. And so you, you, you show up, you hang out with kids. You start experiencing. You start set some parameters. You think you know what's going to grab their attention. And then it becomes very clear that it's something entirely different. And it's also just in the projection of the school, the very beginning. So they're coming in. All they have is middle school experience. They're not like seniors in high school. They're They have no idea who you are. And I think most people would respond to that situation where someone in your shoes, you're an engineer, you've been to college, you have a master's degree, you've worked for all these companies. Many people would have the attitude of like, I don't know who these kids think they are, but they're like I don't I don't need this in my life. Like I don't need this this lack of respect or this lack of appreciation for what I'm volunteering to do. You're not getting paid to do this. Many people would walk into that situation and think like why would I continue to waste my time? They should be thanking me for this. And and instead, your your perspective is like I just want to step back and observe and learn what is going on with this and how I can maybe adapt what I'm doing. To, to try to reframe my objectives because maybe they're right. Maybe, maybe this is different. Like your, your willingness to think about it that way is what was super fascinating to me because I, I don't think many people, engineers, I mean, you know, engineers, can you imagine many engineers dealing with that situation differently?
1: I never, I never thought of it until you just said it. Um, I never felt disrespected. It was just, uh, I always felt like, oh, there, there's, there's a new data point. Um, yeah. I was wrong. Um, not everybody that comes to an engineering school wants to just dive right into engineering and spend time geeking out the whole time, right? And, right. and I also realized that, you know, I, I don't know why some of these kids are here, right? Some of these kids are were pushed by their parents to apply and get in. Right. And maybe they just don't have any interest in engineering whatsoever. And uh, so I it, it just seemed natural to take that uh, uh, just with a little bit of a different perspective. So... Um, yeah, I never felt disrespected. Um, you know, there are a couple times where you'd have to have talks with kids. You're saying, "Look, you you got to figure out why you're even in this class, right?" Yeah. Would, which I'm sure everybody deals with. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, but if, if you know it, 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 I was also aware, increasingly as that semester went on, that you guys really are. So I, I had also had it in my mind that everything was in place here. <laughs> that you knew exactly how things were going to go, right? And it became clear as as it went as as it went on that no, you're you're kind of putting things together as it's going. You had the vision, but it's very different than implementing the flawless plan.
0: I mean, we always use the example that you know, it's used a lot in startups too is um, we're building the airplane as we're taking off.
1: And and i i started to get that right as i was into it so and that actually to me that that kind of felt cool because it's like this is well look you're at you're at ground zero of the building of this i mean the vision hasn't changed the vision it was was no different you're just experiencing what it's like to actually do the real work right, right. and it's gonna and so i remember some of the conversations would have in the parking lot you know you would You would tell me things like, well, you know, the culture in the school isn't established yet. And that's probably not going to happen until year five or six. Yeah. And I just remember thinking about that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, I guess I never thought of that. You got a group of freshmen that have no upperclassmen. Um, I never thought about coming in and adapting quickly to what the culture has, you know, the established culture when there is none. Right. Exactly. So that was... uh, uh, So, um, but, you know, also, I mean, I... I decided that I was going all in on, um, you know, I mean, people write checks to, you know, charities that they give, right? I decided a a while back that I'm going to kind of go all in on education, right? Yeah. And that's, if if I'm doing something with my spare time, I decided that I can be relevant in education. So there was no need to panic and go run
0: off and say I'm never coming back. Uh, You know, I mean, it was was just all part of the journey. That makes sense. And the reason I ask is because it kind of gets to a bigger question of everybody talks about... You know, wanting to scale. Like, what's what's a a system that you can put in place that's manageable that allows you to scale? When we were in Boston like a month ago, we were talking with I think it was the um, chief academic officer for Boston Public Schools, and she turned to you and said, "We're in this conference room," and she said, "Listen, you seem like a really nice guy and really interested in education, and that's great. And it sounds like it's working really well. But how does this scale? How does this?" Become a system that's actually implementable at across a whole school district, or even like a whole state or the country, where you could actually say, "We're going to build into HR systems at big companies incentives to get them to work with high school kids." And I mean, I had to stop from almost laughing because it's like there is no system. There's no. Yeah. It's yeah. not implementable. There isn't a scalable version of this. It, it is based on the passions and 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 interests and abilities of the people that are involved. So. You have someone like yourself. You're going to pour in time and energy and be willing to to learn in the process with us because you believe in the outcome, not because of some incentive that's built baked into your contract, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. So you feel like yeah. So that question is kind of coming like, is, is there a boilerplate, you know, uh, document that we can follow and grab an en- random engineer off the street and do this? Right. Um, probably not. If the engineer doesn't want to do that, if the company doesn't see any, you know, any any benefit. And, uh, in being involved. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I can't, I can't remember how I answered that question. I do remember it now though. Um, but yeah, you, you know, uh, you scale, uh, you scale by hiring the right staff, exactly people that want to be there and let them figure it out. You don't really tell them what to do. You have them become pains, you know, for you because they're always asking you for more because they have better ideas than what they had last week. Right. That's the way it scales.
0: That's, yeah, that's true.
1: Um, So I don't know. I mean, I don't think anything that we're doing today fits uh, my vision of what I thought we would have been doing, you know, 18 months ago. Right. And that's all because it has evolved with the people that we have around us that it's just naturally happening. It's taken this long for me to start talking to your teachers, right? Think about that. I mean, the first year, I mean, I I don't, I didn't have many, I had a few interactions. Right. But, you know, it comes with, yeah, I think being here is an important thing. Well,
0: I think what was important too, because I think we got to this point now where like you did that first year, you taught that class on Fridays. It became pretty clear that like the experience that you have, what you bring to the table is really useful For this group of kids, it could really help maybe, but really where we could really have the biggest impact is if you're working with our staff, if you're helping them to recognize how they could be doing projects differently, how they could be incorporating or thinking of projects that are relevant, that are exciting, that are specifically tied to learning standards. And then it kind of engages them around their passion. And we got to that point, but I want to take a step back before that, because I think you hit on something really key. We talk about this all the time. Education is a business of people. It's about people. Nobody remembers their high school experience and says, man, I loved my high school because we had this one program that was really powerful that, you know, it's because the A-B schedule, that, that was what I really loved about my high school. Or, you know, oh, I, I really loved my high school because I was able to get these credits or like nobody remembers those things. They say, I love my high school experience because I had this great teacher, this one person that impacted me as a person that changed the way that I saw the world or even that I had a group of friends that was re- I was really close with that cared about the same things I cared about, and we did this together. Or I was able to accomplish this big thing with a group of people. They care about people. That's what human beings care about. They don't care about systems. Yeah. Systems are in place to, to provide people the opportunity to be able to do cool things, but it's, the system isn't going to change anything. It's the people, which is why you find amazingly funded schools with incredible designs and ideas that don't have really strong people, and the school sucks or you have really poorly funded you know schools that are just very basic in terms of their their educational model it's very traditional but if the people are amazing if the teachers are incredible it will be an incredible school it it all relies on the people
1: yes yes i get that completely now right by see, especially by seeing the staff that you have here i mean if you if you just look at the you know no one's no one's waiting for the clock you know i mean you come here in the summer and on the weekends, and sometimes it's, I mean, it's obviously noticeably different without all the students being here, but you wouldn't know that from walking into some of the classrooms, right? Yeah. So um, I just think there's no question about it.
0: So, so I guess my question is, is that unique to education in your experience, that it's so dependent on the individuals? Is there a system or a model that really makes sense, or is it the people that really drive the drive the success you mean is it
1: um so is like would would the commonalities and what makes a good school work be there for what makes a good engineering uh company work sure yeah um you know i you know i've worked for big companies and tiny companies um and um a big company you know the bigger it gets the slower things move, the more cumbersome things get, the more bureaucratic things get, um, and um, it doesn't make it good or bad. I think I think it's really it's, it's really it's really hard to it's really hard to prevent that from happening. Um, I guess really really good companies that you know I probably never worked for um, are able to be extremely nimble uh, and still and still get that uh, you know get that feel, but. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily tied. So quality of quality of the company. I think I think it. I think it does. I think it. I think there are some things that are just look. This is the manufacturing process that we're going to do. We have tested it out, and we've you know we've already we've already got the kinks worked out in something, and now it just needs to be implemented. So follow the spec, right, and do that. So. That's not necessarily a people uh, you know, process, right? Just like maybe you could make the argument that says, I don't know if this would be a good argument, but somebody could say, I know how to teach
0: this particular subject because I've got this standard and I've got this curriculum. Well, that's right? what I'm getting at. That's why it's funny you mentioned that because that's what I'm, <coughs> that's my thing is that like, I think there's a movement in education that I've seen where people try to get to that point is I've got the curriculum, the curriculum is what matters, It's a guaranteed and viable curriculum. That's the most important thing. It could be a bus driver in the classroom. As long as there's somebody that can keep control of the kids, that can hold them accountable, and then be able to deliver on this curriculum that we've created, that's really what's going to change a school. When in reality, I've never seen that actually be the case. You know, there are certain
1: components of that that probably make a lot of sense. Like, let's say I'm teaching a larger thing. Let's, we just toured your chemistry lab, right? Um, um, You know, we're going to teach chemistry. And in part of chemistry... Here's a very detailed, uh, task-oriented elaborate lab that we have to do. Right. Okay, well, that's something that, yeah, you can you should be able to give maybe some of those instructions. But to teach chemistry, right, to back up and inspire somebody to even pay attention to me for the next five minutes, um, that's pretty hard to do with just, I mean, I, you know, I a, a big part of my job is to go make presentations. And I don't have the time to develop simulation models and, uh, you know, new content every time I'm asked to do it. It's very common to grab somebody else's material. We do it all the time. We share each other's material all the time. Sure, sure. It's very, a lot of times it's very difficult to, um, to grab somebody's presentation without at least spending time with them on the phone to ask them what they were thinking when they put these slides together.
0: But what I'm saying is, who's delivering the presentation matters a tremendous amount.
1: Well, I need context, is what I'm getting at, right? Yeah. So I have sat through presentations that I can, I know somebody got it from somebody else, and all they're doing is reading the words off the slides. Um, I'm kind of, I'm not
0: really, uh, I'm not excited about sticking around for that for that talk. And and you're not excited to stick around for often. that talk as an adult who's getting paid to be there. Yes. So that, like that's even a whole other level. Imagine you're a student that's <laughs> in high school. With a whole different set of emotional and developmental parameters that are affecting the way that you think, and you're not getting paid to be there. I could, uh, yeah, I mean, I couldn't
1: imagine. You know, <laughs> my
0: point is, I think human beings are the same, whether or not you're a 45 year old engineer at Boeing or a 17 year old kid. You're still gonna, you're still gonna sit in a classroom or sit in an educational environment, and you're gonna be inspired by the person that's that's talking to you and delivering this information, whether or not you believe what the was it is that they're saying. More so than the, the content itself.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah. I I, I, I think that I think that's gonna be universal. You know what it's like when you've seen good speakers and bad speakers and just I mean I mean everyone no matter no matter what no matter what it is that you're doing, I mean you can be you can be inspired by people at all levels and different types of jobs, right? Right. You can be uh, you can be impressed by a waiter. Right? Yeah. Who not only just tells you what the special of the day was, but they go into details about how it was made. Right? I mean, those sorts of things. Well, you yeah. can tell that they actually care about it. Yeah, you can tell they care about it, and that makes all the difference in the world for me. I could only imagine if I was a student. Um, you know, my experience in high school, um, I I just wanted to get through high school. Um, I didn't get inspired. You know, I I didn't have really a favorite high school teacher, but it happened in college when. There was an astronomy professor that just was so passionate about what he did. It was hard to it was hard to just not pay attention.
0: Yeah, why don't you tell that story of, of how you got into physics in general in high in college?
1: Uh, so that's a long that's a long story. I should shorten that uh, uh, immensely. Um, I was at, I, I I was a C student. I was barely a C student um, in high school. Um, uh, Catholic high school. Uh, you know, I was pretty. Uh, uh, you know, pretty. Uh, I guess the, I I guess entitled, you know. Um middle middle class. Um came from a really good family, but for whatever reason I never really I never really latched on to any I never really had a passion for anything, so I just kind of slugged through high school and I didn't try at all. And I got my C's and everything was okay. Kind of the same sort of story with college. I really didn't have much of a vision for what I wanted to do. I mean, I was just flat out lazy. And uh Somehow I ended up in the drama department. Um, I wasn't technical at all at this point. I didn't. Um, I barely got through all the core math classes. You know, C's. And um, and in uh, in college, um, uh, as I was kind of looking in l- looking into arts and you know whatever communications and directing and things like that, I had to have a science elective. And the science elective that I took was that astronomy class. Um, That was geared for non-science majors. So there was no math required and it got to the point where it was so interesting to me That was all that I wanted to do and I started doing very poorly I started failing actually drama classes because I was putting all of my time in this astronomy class And I decided, you know, this is cool enough where maybe I could do this as a profession Um, so I went to the physics department and I asked uh, the dean what, you know, uh, what what it, would, what it would take to transfer. And uh, he says, well, um, if you're in the drama department, you know, you probably haven't had a lot of math yet. I says, no, I, I took remedial algebra, but um, I got an incomplete because I just kind of quit going. <laughs> and he's doing the same thing you're doing. He's, you know, he's trying not to laugh. He says, well, OK, it's pretty odd for us to see... Students that come the other direction and want to go from drama department to the physics department Usually they go the other, the other way. way. Yeah, so why don't you take why don't you go past? You know, why don't you go get through calculus and then we can talk And I, I kind of felt a little bit insulted, you know, and I mean, for all good reasons. I mean here's this kid with you know You know borderline D's and C's and that was it um, I, The astronomy was so interesting to me and the only way to be good at astronomy is to be good at math and um, so there was no question. I, I, I didn't have to know any more than that. I decided at that time I was going to, you know, I don't know, go go study stars, get a Ph.D., because I guess that's what they do. So um, if, I, if I'm going to pass physics, then I have to pass remedial algebra. And, th- I mean, that was the end of it. Um, you stay in the library. You study it until you know it. And then, um, I don't know, it was mostly, it was almost all A's, you know, at that point, because there was a reason for it. There was a goal in mind.
0: Right. There was a goal.
1: It was physics. So um, I was going to be a physicist until I decided that I was going to sell out for money and become an engineer. And it turns out (laughs) I did it. I did okay at that.
0: Yeah. So I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions. And you've told me this before. Somebody who's in college, you know, they go to their first couple of years. Actually, maybe it wasn't even you that said this. This might have been Raj at UW Tacoma. But he had said, you know, the misconception is if you go to go to go to college for the first time, you're a freshman or sophomore and you start getting C's and physics and engineering classes you start to think i must not be very good at this i better transfer out when in reality is no that's fine like it's okay to get c's that means it's it's challenging and you're wrestling with it just pass the class and move on to the next one don't quit yeah like if you make it past those first couple nobody nobody at any company is going to call you and say uh so how come you got a c minus in your physics class freshman year the only thing they care about is that you end up with a degree at the end and just because you didn't get straight a's in the physics class doesn't mean that you're not going to be a good engineer. In fact, there's almost no correlation between those two things. Yes,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I've never been in... Uh, I haven't done much hiring, uh, I guess, if at all. But I've certainly been involved in it. You know, interviews, you know, would have people come through and you'd be part of the loop interview or whatever it's going to be just to, you know, um, talk about the expectations and things. And, um, I, you know, that... You, you'd never discuss grades, You know, um, you know how to do math, you know how to do physics. You need math and physics to be able to be good at the job at some point, probably not every day, but you have to be able to do it. And that's all you need to know. Um, being a successful engineer is a lot more, um, if you only judge, you know, you're, um, a successful engineer based on their intelligence, I I don't think it's going to hit the mark ever. Um, I've worked with lots of very intelligent people, um, who were not necessarily really all that good at being engineers um, so it's nice when you can mix the two right I mean that's uh, that's 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 extremely bonus but you know the job the job of being an engineer is not necessarily to get bogged down in theoretical details which a lot of times some of the smarter uh, you know um, higher performing, uh, engineers would. A really good engineer is one who can be ex- extremely smart and still say that's something that's in the noise that we don't need to worry about. You know, we can move through this and, and let's get to the point. The point is the product. Right. It's got to it's meet all of our expectations and requirements without over-designing. And, um, and you know, um, yeah, you, you know, engineers are working for companies that are building things. So your eye is always, it should always be on the prize of, Making the product, it's you know better or cheaper, and not getting bogged down with some of the more esoteric things. So people don't pe- people don't learn that. I, I think people have to have
0: to learn that on the job. So how do you can can communicate that to kids? Because I think what I've experienced is that our, our the whole like academic system, the pathway that's kind of laid out before you is is very prescriptive, and it doesn't say anything about that, right? Like your job in high school well let's even start early your job in elementary school is just to kind of get to the next grade and do the best you can and to to check all the boxes make sure you stay in your lane and not like disrupt anyone in middle school it finally starts to kind of count a little bit and you start to kind of learn okay I'm gonna have to like pass these classes in order to get maybe into a, a more advanced class or if I don't then I get put into a different class you start to see it kind of starts to weed out a little bit and then High school, you get to high school, and for the first time now, you're thrown into this system where you're earning credit. So if you don't pass a class, then you're not on track to graduate, and you have to retake it. That's the first time you really have to retake it. I mean, you, know, you kind of do that in middle school. But the, the the goal that everything is laid out in front of you is that you, have, you should get straight A's, and you want to get into college. That's the most important thing that should happen in your life. At least that's what was told to me. Yeah. And so many people that I've talked to that are highly successful, intelligent people – didn't have that experience and ended up just fine. I'm not saying we should tell kids don't get straight A's. Like, if that's what you want to do, that's great. You should shoot for that. But what I am saying is, how do we communicate to kids that if you don't get straight A's, there's nothing wrong with you? It's okay. In fact, you're probably in the norm, and getting into a decent college or any college that will give you the degree that you need to do what you want, as long as there's purpose behind it, is what really matters. How do we create a school that rewards that mentality instead of this? I have to get five AP classes on my transcript in order to be recognized by the highest schools in order to be seen as, as like, a successful product of my high school experience. So do you think that that's a problem, then? Yeah, I do. I think it's a big problem. So... Is this is this for is,
1: is this for uh, students that are you know um, dead set on going to college or this is for students that are trying to figure it out as they're going through it?
0: Well, I think in any case, even if you're just, I I think there's obviously there's this is a range of extremes, right? If you've got a group of kids that are like getting straight A's, they're going to college. That's great. It's going to work out for you. It's fine. Just recognize that maybe. Getting straight A's doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a successful person. So don't be upset when you get to college and you fail for the first time and realize, because it is really hard and it's okay to fail and there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of kids that go to college, have never gotten lower than an A in a class and they get a C and they think their life's over. And it's like, it's actually just fine. <laughs> you should have probably experienced this earlier. Then there's the group of kids that are like the BC students that are skating along that don't really have purpose yet. They're doing okay. You're probably going to get into college. It's, it's going to be okay if it was more prescriptive in terms of what you wanted to study and you found your passion like you did, like you'd be okay. And then obviously there's a group of kids that it's hard to get them to like turn in anything. And that's, that's a different, that's a different experience. That's not really what I'm talking about. I think, or that's a different problem to solve. I think there's still purpose-driven conversations to happen with those kids and they're perfectly capable of getting to that point. But my question is like, how do we create an educational system that rewards pursuing a passion towards what they're working towards instead of just collecting accolades to get into a university to say that they've met this goal? Because I think what we've pointed out is that it's kind of a game. And it's a very specific game that rewards a certain type of behavior, right? It's not like it rewards um, universally what's best in life. It rewards a certain type of behavior that can be sometimes useful, but not necessarily in everything.
1: I think think part of this is starting to show up maybe in industry. And I don't know what like universities are doing on the, on the academic enrollment side. So I don't, um, so I, I, I I don't know what, what they're looking at when, you know, when they have more students than they can accept, I don't know what the waterline is, but I do know that uh, what a lot of industries want to see, and this is, this is apparent in like, let's say SpaceX, you know, they had this uh, Hyperloop competition. Right. Uh, If you go up and talk to the students at UW, which we did, Every one of those students that's on the Hyperloop team is doing an internship at SpaceX. And there's no coincidence. The UW Hyperloop team, I think they won first place in North America last year. Um, and why is that important? It's because, it, you know, if you're unfamiliar with Hyperloop, right? I mean, this is, this, is a, this is a very fast-moving vehicle on a rail inside a one-mile, you know, vacuumed-out tube. As part of this idea of maybe like a, a a future method of transportation, so there's lots of things that need to be that need to go right for this thing to happen. So it's a very complex engineering problem, and so Elon Musk hosts this competition. He's got SpaceX engineers that evaluate it, and they they all go down to Hawthorne. Uh, I think it's coming up in a, maybe a week or two, um, and um, these SpaceX you know, is looking at engineers that are on these student competitions because yeah, sure, they're at school. They're they're getting a degree from a good school. That's great. But look at what they did. They actually put something together. Uh, very, very, you know, uh, very strenuous, um, you know, project. High expectations. Uh, competing against other, you know, like-minded students. Uh, other really, really good schools. And that's proof that you can actually do this. And so they're not asking these students what grades they're getting.
0: Right. That, that's that's kind of what I'm saying is they're like companies are starting to recognize that this whole system doesn't necessarily deliver to them the best candidates for the role. The system, like they can't just go through and look at the system and say, what's the highest tier school? The highest grades we will take that crop of kids. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be the best people for the job. What they want to see is who can be a part of a team, who can actually accomplish a goal, start a project from beginning, and then see it through to the end, like backwards plan a project so that it actually makes sense and works in the end and can contribute and are willing to accept feedback and learn how to take that feedback, learn how to fail multiple times before they succeed. Like those, you know, people call them soft skills, but I think those skills are are starting to become more and more the, the norm of, of what's needed than just the, perfect transcript from, you know, Cal Poly or MIT.
1: Yeah, I don't know how you flip that. That's, it uh, that seems like a long, um, like a long, that's got to be a cultural shift, I think, right? Right.
0: I mean, there's the big picture cultural shift. I guess my question is, how do you create a school in a high school that rewards that type of behavior, um, instead of just focusing on how do we get kids to just get x amount of ap classes
1: we talk about the idea of
0: accidentally learning
1: physics while you're doing something really cool right right yeah Totally. Um, and uh, so to me that's the way you reward it is 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 if more of the teachers can do that where you've got these projects that are engaging and rewarding i mean your students about to build something that had a function you know they've gone through that process and that cycle without without thinking about um without thinking about the The target wasn't the grade. The target was the thing that they built. Right. The grade just came out of it. Yep. Um, I think it lessens the value of the letter of the grade that you got if the product was made no matter what. Right. Uh, So I feel like you're sort of doing it now, right? It's like right in front of you. Is it accepted? I don't know. I think people are still probably, there's still people, you know, uh, who don't know
0: much about the project-based approach Well, I think that's what we're trying to get to, too. I mean, what we're working on right now with LMX is being able to create a platform where teachers can actually learn how to develop a curriculum that centers more on these projects that are tied to standards, but the projects themselves are intentionally designed to stumble upon physics concepts so that as they're developing a project, it becomes clear that they have to learn the skill in the the way that they do it. And then they end up at the end, I, I ended up learning about Magnetism, Like I had no idea. I, was, I thought I was just building this ham radio, but now I understand how, you know, an electromagnetic field works. Or... Yeah,
1: so think about how cool it is if I'm a prospective student and I'm in eighth grade and I'm looking through, I don't know, you know, catalogs or websites of high schools. And, uh, and, and instead all I see is this one school that has just all these things that were built. And right. That, exactly. And that's all they're talking about. Because
0: that's what kids actually can see. Like they want to see the skate park. Yeah, they don't want to see that. Then, and
1: then, oh, by the way, our graduates get into college too, right? That's probably all I need to know, Yeah. right? I mean, you know, even if I'm not fully committed to uh, computer science or engineering, I mean, I mean, who doesn't want to do that? How is that not an exciting thing? Yeah, I mean, the fact that you guys have this podcast studio right here—that's <laughs> got to be inspiring some kids who come see this school for the first time. You know, I mean, I, what are you guys doing with these microphones and? and Laptops all over the place with this cool lighting. I mean that's 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 a product. That's cool. Yeah,
0: just telling stories. <laughs> this podcast has been a product of Elements of Education, which is a nonprofit based in Tacoma, Washington, dedicated to helping students find their passions in the arts and sciences within the public school system. If you want more information about us, check us out at elementsofed.org or you can check us out on Facebook or Instagram.